Good morning. Our scripture lesson today is from Luke chapter 2 and John chapter 14. Luke 2, verse 8 through 14. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. John chapter fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, Heather, for reading our scripture lesson this morning. Come on. <laughs> Now, we appreciate that. It's with the band. And, uh, you know, what's, what's interesting is to have seen some of these uh, people who are up here on the stage, uh, particularly like Bennett and Agent. They've, uh, you know, first starting out playing and what they're doing today and offering their talents for God's glory. We're so appreciative of that. It's just fun to watch, watch them grow in that ability. So I thank you for doing that and sharing with us. Let us pause for a moment of prayer together. God, as we have been waiting and anticipating and preparing for this day that's just around the corner. I thank you for this moment that we have here to remind us of what it's really all to be about. So often, God, we get preparing and waiting and anticipating things that leave us empty at the end of it all. But in this place, in this time, you remind us what the real gift is, the gift of your hope, of your love, of your joy, and your peace that comes in Jesus Christ. So God, we open ourselves to that message today. May you use me, I humbly ask, for your glory, to speak your word. May you open our hearts to receive your gift through your word. These things we pray in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. You know, images, which we're trying to get up on the screen, <laughs> the technology, but you know, images of Christmas and war, those two things don't fit easily within our minds, do they? The, the cruel reality of, of war, it seems about as far away from the generosity and the peace of Christmas uh, that as anything could ever be. <laughs> And yet, there was a moment in our history when these two realities did merge. Back in December of 1914, uh, Christmas actually arrived in the midst of the intense and global battle known as World War I. In that most unlikely of settings, you have some German soldiers and some British soldiers that laid down their weapons and chose to experience a moment of peace. That Christmas Eve, they 
and begin to sing Christmas carols to each other from their trenches across that area known as No Man's Land. And um, early on that Christmas day, some of the German soldiers came out of their trench unarmed. They began to walk toward the Allied soldiers shouting, Merry Christmas to their enemies. And the Allied soldiers are kind of distrustful a little bit and didn't know what to make of this. But eventually they came out of their trenches and they walked over and they shook their hands and they exchanged gifts of cigarettes and uh, plum pudding. That was what history records. And uh, even sang some Christmas carols together at that point. History.com claims that there was actually a game of soccer that was played between them in this unofficial ceasefire on that day. Sadly, this kind of Christmas truce never repeated itself. The officers made sure of that as they um, warned and uh, threatened punishment to anybody who tried that again. But on that special day, the enemies put their shared humanity before their differences. And they experienced the Christmas gift of peace in a profound way. Can you imagine what that must have been like? I mean, I mean, today it would have been like the uh, Democrats and Republicans coming across the aisle in Congress and, uh, and embracing each other and singing uh, Christmas carols to each other and actually working together to get something done. But I mean, it just, it, it's, a, it's an unbelievable image to have these enemies sharing the Christmas spirit of peace together. But you know, that's actually the real message and the real hope of Christmas. We believe that God's peace can, <clears throat> can fill us. God's peace can uh, come upon us and rule within us in spite of being surrounded by these images of war and and hate and evil and oppression and injustice and and even death. God's peace, his presence can pierce our dark and painful circumstances, bringing light, bringing hope. God's peace. It is something we all in this world long for. You know, Christmas is typically thought of being a, um, a season of joy, and rightfully so, because it is. <clears throat> but as we noted last Sunday in our Blue Christmas service, it can also be a painful season for many people. Maybe you are among those today. And while we are not able to put an end to the personal and the emotional and the cultural and even the physical wars that are going on in our world during this season, we can all lean upon the God who is with us. We can experience his peace in the midst of it all. Today we're continuing in our Advent journey toward Christmas, which is just around the corner. And um, if you've been with us, you know that each Sunday we've been taking a look at the different attributes of God represented in the coming of Jesus. We looked at how the, <clears throat> the God who is with us has uh, brought us the gift of hope, the gift of uh, love, the gift of joy, and the gift of Today, we're going to be talking about the gift of peace. <clears throat> we've done that at the Advent candles and through the sermons. And, and we've talked about how God comes to us in all of these ways. And we believe that Jesus is the embodiment of that. I mean, <clears throat> my hope today is that as we talk about this gift of God's peace, that each of us truly experiences and reclaims that comfort that comes only from God's peace deep within our souls. The text we have before us today is dealing with the story of the shepherds and how they experienced God's peace on Christmas. 
And if you know anything about shepherds, and you probably learned this over the, <clears throat> the years of um, hearing sermons about shepherds, that shepherds in that day and time were considered to be on the low end of the social totem pole, so to speak. Uh, uh, they were considered to be those among the outcasts, that dirty, unruly group of people on the bottom rung of society's ladder. And <clears throat> it hadn't always been that way. Now, uh, if you remember back in the, your history, uh, at one time, shepherds actually had a high place in the social order. Uh, particularly in Israel, in this history, you have the uh, story of the patriarchs, remember? And each of them, these guys were shepherds. There was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even King David. And so shepherds were held in high esteem at one point. But by the time you get to Jesus' day, their profession had definitely fallen in esteem. Um, the truth is, most shepherds were not <clears throat> uh, what most mamas dreamed of their little boys growing up to be someday at that time. And at the other end of the social status spectrum were the religious leaders. Uh, smug in their moral goodness and their position of power, they made sure everybody knew their position in the social order. It was the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the like up here at the top, and everybody else was below them. And, and they kept everybody below them by putting them down and reminding them that they were the ones who had a direct link to God, and you had to come through them in order to get to God. So in this hierarchy within their society, Shepherds were not accustomed to having uh, angelic messengers come to them. Uh, they, they surely didn't expect this direct message from God in such a dramatic way as what occurred on that hillside that night. So just imagine their surprise on that star-filled night when in the sky the brightest star began to dim and the dark uh, vastness was just filled with this glowing of an, of an angelic host. Uh, Luke's gospel describes it this way. He says, In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping their watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And then if it, as if a vision of an angel wasn't enough, uh, this glowing figure begins to speak to them saying, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. It was all just unbelievable. <laughs> it's just a miraculous sight, but wait, you know, there's more. Uh, is in literally more more angels <laughs> because he goes on to tell us and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he favors those words that the angels spoke to them was probably more unbelievable than the messengers themselves for the angels were making a proclamation of God's favor and God's peace and they were making this proclamation to them, to shepherds. Just imagine the, the confusion and the, the doubts that had to be going on in those shepherds' minds at this point. I mean, did you just hear what I heard? I mean, surely there's got to be some kind of mistake. <laughs> they must have meant this message for somebody else, not us. But angels don't make mistakes, do they? God's favor on us. God's peace on us? Really? 
And while we're on the subject of wondering what those shepherds were thinking, uh, have you ever thought about what was going on with the sheep on the hillside that night? <laughs> I mean, I, I granted, you know, sheep are, have a reputation for being pretty dumb. But uh, I think it's unrealistic to think that they didn't notice what was going on. I mean, the sky suddenly glows with this big light, and there's this beaming, booming voice from the angels, the angelic host singing and stuff. And so, you know, while sheep are not exactly racehorses, spooked sheep can run pretty fast. And so I have this envision this thing. It's not unrealistic that these sheep are all just bolting across the hillside, going everywhere. You know, it is this chaos up there. And, you know, I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us those details. But uh, um, it probably wasn't that serene, uh, peaceful scene that most of us envisioned for that night. Uh, maybe it was chaos. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe the sheep just stood there in, in disbelief and dazed, emotionless. Uh, maybe the response is really irrelevant in this big scheme of things. But whatever the case... This was completely out of the order, out of the ordinary. I mean, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen to shepherds. You have supernatural encounters with God's messengers. You have God's proclamation and promises, blessing and favor being given. This, does, this just doesn't happen with shepherds. Uh, this kind of stuff happens for those super spiritual religious leaders, you know. But then, again, Jesus' coming didn't fit the norm of our expectations did it? Ironically, those religious elite <clears throat> were conspicuously absent when it came to the announcement of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Those whom society held in the highest esteem as the holiest of holy ones in the world, um, they were nowhere to be found. When it came to the birth of Jesus in the stable, they weren't there to kneel to worship him. So this announcement of the shepherds that God was now with us in the coming of the Messiah, it it, it reminded people that, you know, the social order which we envision, God just turns upside down. He doesn't see things the way we see them. It reminded the people back then and it reminded the people of us today that God's favor is not based upon human standards. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness before God and they're willing to receive and accept the gift of God's hope and of his love and of his joy and of his peace that comes through Jesus Christ. The story of the shepherds reminds us that God's favor and his peace is not based on our class or occupation or our status in society. It is based upon God's purpose and his desire to bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. And that includes us. But of course, the question for us today is, all right, but how do we experience that peace? I mean, how do we really experience that peace that passes on understanding in the world that we live in today with all the challenges that we're facing personally and nationally and in the world? Well, here's what I think. I, I think that the kind of peace we're talking about, God's peace, begins by understanding the nature of the kind of peace that God brings us. And we often get confused about this. And we often think of peace as just being the absence of conflict, the absence of, of, of fighting. Uh, it's, it's getting along with everybody. And while that's peaceful and that's good, God's peace encompasses so much more than just that. In the, in the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Moses, he set forth the, uh, the roles and the duties of the priest. 
And one of the things that the priests were given was a blessing that they were to pronounce upon the people. And the blessing goes like this. I think many of you have heard this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the Hebrew word used for peace there is the word shalom. Shalom has a rich and deep meaning. It is so much more than just the absence of fighting and conflict. Shalom reflects safety. It reflects completeness in every area of your life. Wholeness in your relationship with God and your relationship with one another. And this is the type of peace that the God who is with us offers to us. This shalom. And as Christians, we believe that Jesus was the embodiment of, of that peace that God gives. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the giver of Shalom, the the Prince of Shalom, foretold by the prophet Isaiah when he said, For unto you as a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, of course, the Jews of that day were hoping for a Messiah that would come and establish political justice against their oppressors. After all, they were a conquered people living under the iron rule of the Roman Empire. And so that was their hope. But, but Jews also understood and they longed for this idea of God's shalom. Shalom was foundational, part of their society, a part of their their, uh, spiritual life. But as Christians, we believe this completeness and this wholeness that God brings to us, the kind of wholeness and completeness we can have with God and with one another, came. We believe that Jesus brought that into our world, and he still does. As our Savior, he brings wholeness in our relationship with God. Trusting in him, we can experience God's peace that calms our souls at the deepest levels. Uh, The calm acceptance that it is well with my soul in spite of whatever storms may be swirling around us at the time. We also have a peace that comes from knowing that there's going to be a day when Jesus will return. And he will heal all that has been broken. He will restore God's kingdom of shalom once and for all. As the prophet Isaiah foretold, there will be a day when God will judge between the nations and settle disputes among the nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Yes. One day there will be an end to war hatred. But even that type of peace is just an extension of the peace that God will establish in this world as shalom. God's peace. It is something this world longs for. We all do. Yet it's something this world cannot provide for itself. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples shortly before he was arrested and crucified. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. 
See, Jesus knew that his followers were about to face a very crushing blow. And eventually they were going to be persecuted and have to face their own death. And so he wanted them to know that he had given them this gift, a peace not as the world gives. It's not a gift that can be taken back or taken away. It's not a gift that um, is something we can create on our own. It is not the absence of pain or conflict or noise or violence or uncertainty. This kind of peace is only experienced in the person, the person of Jesus Christ. True peace is experienced in Jesus with us. This was the assurance that Jesus gave to his disciples that day. That even in what would appear to be the most hopeless of circumstances, he was still with them. He would never leave them or forsake them. He was right there with them. And he would now be with them forever through the power of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. They would later understand the significance of that promise. And it would be this sense of peace that would enable them to become apostles that were sent out in the world to change it and turn it upside down for the kingdom of God. And this is the same promise that God gives to us. God's peace is experienced as his presence with us no matter what storm what event or circumstance you may be facing in your life. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, <clears throat> he himself is our peace. So let me ask you a question this morning. <clears throat> Are you experiencing the peace of God this Christmas? Now, for many of us, <clears throat> we might choose words like hectic, <laughs> uh, busy, uh, frantic, <laughs> to describe our life during the season, or maybe that's our life every day. Maybe it's an overbooked schedule that is stealing your joy this Christmas. Or maybe it's something more. Maybe it's relational conflicts. Maybe it's pressure at work. Maybe it's a loss of a job, an illness, or health issues. Maybe it's a grief over loss. For many of us, God's peace seems like this a long ways off. It's a good idea. It's a nice thought during this time of season. It's something we all long for, but only if we could really experience it. Sometimes it's hard to see and it's hard to experience God's peace when you're surrounded by the storms of life. But you may take comfort in the fact of recognizing that even Jesus' disciples, who were with him, they, they lived with him, they walked with him, even they had a difficult time grasping this. You remember that story of Jesus and the disciples being on a boat in the Sea of Galilee and a storm blew up? It had to be some kind of storm because we, we read that the, the disciples were terrified and these were, many of them were seasoned fishermen and they were used to this kind of stuff. But as the boat began to take on water and it looked as if they were going to perish, it says they were terrified. They weren't alone in the boat. I mean, Jesus was right there with them, but we read that he was asleep in the stern of the boat. And so at some point they wake him up and they begin shouting, don't you care what is happening to us? Mark's gospel records it like this. 
a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a dead calm with just a command for peace from Jesus. The wind stood still. The storm was calmed. And of course, the disciples were in awe for a very good reason. I love that story because when I read that story, I see myself in that story. I think the disciples are a lot like us. When things are not going well in life, then we begin to cry out to God, God, don't you care? Don't you see what I'm going through? Are you really there? It's like we think God's not paying attention to our situation, or maybe uh, uh, God just doesn't realize the magnitude of what we're going through. But the truth is, God is there. And yet, we start to doubt his presence. We start to question that he really does care for us. And that, of course, causes the spiral of our storm to become even worse. Sometimes, as it did for those disciples, it is hard to see. It feels like God doesn't care, as if God is asleep or maybe God's nowhere to be found. But again, the truth is God is right there with us. He's always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. God knows what you're going through, and he alone has the ability to see beyond the waves and the winds of the storm. So we trust in him. And for those of you who have held on and you've trusted in God when you're going through those storms of life, you know. You know that the power of his peace is not diminished by the storms of life. Regardless of what we're going through, we can experience a calmness in the midst of the storm. We can experience a peace that passes on understanding. Our hearts can be filled with calm and with courage if we turn to him and if we trust in God's faithfulness. You know, when we turn to God through prayer, you're able to experience God's peace. As the old gospel hymn says, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Paul describes this process like this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we lay our fears, as we lay our burdens at the feet of God, and we give him thanks for his presence that is with us, the fact that he will never leave us, he's always there with us. When you give thanks for that and you've laid your burdens before God, God's peace has this ability to transform your life and transform your outlook. God's peace swells within us. It guards our hearts and our minds so that we're able to rise above our circumstances and see hope, to see light. The peace of God, it's a miraculous thing. It's something that transcends all understanding. And it may not make any sense to really trust in it 
when you're faced with the worries and the circumstances you are, it just doesn't make any sense that you could experience God's peace in the midst of the storm. But this, this is God who we're dealing with. This is the Prince of Peace. This is the giver of shalom. When we believe in the good news of God's presence with us and we worship him like those shepherds did, we can experience and come to know his peace. God transforms us. He transforms our outlook so that we're able to see. With his peace that passes all understanding, we're able to rejoice It is well with my soul, even when we're surrounded by a storm. No matter how bad your circumstance in life may be, no matter what storm you're facing, Jesus has the power to calm your storm and to bring you a sense of peace and comfort. So in the midst of whatever life holds for you this week or in the days ahead, may you remember the good news of Christmas. The good news that Jesus has come to us as the Prince of Peace. And whatever you're facing, you have the good news that God is always with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He's always right there with you. And unlike anything this world has to offer, Jesus can bring peace and comfort to your life. So may he be your peace this Christmas, guarding your soul with his peace, filling your spirit with a wholeness of shalom, ruling in your heart as the Prince of Peace. As Paul said in Thessalonians, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Let us pray. Gracious God, we long for this peace, your peace, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that can quiet the storms that we're dealing with in life. I pray, God, that each person here, and you know each person what they're going through, that your peace will just fall upon them, that they'll have that assurance that whatever they're facing, they don't face alone. And you have the power to walk alongside of them, to carry them, if need be, to light their path, to bring hope in their darkness. Thank you for this good news, O oh God, the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, who brings us your peace. Amen.